Well, I am glad you're here this morning, and it's, it's nice to look out on a pretty full house as well, so uh, it's, it's great to have you here. If you're new with us, and I know we've had so many of you that are new with us in the last few weeks and months, and we're so glad to have you, uh, but if you would take the time to fill out one of the cards that's in front of you, I even give you permission during the sermon to be filling out uh, this card. It'd be great to just pop that into the offering plates at the end, and we'd love to just connect with you and let you know more about the church and, and know how to care for you if necessary. That would be That'd be great if you take the time. And, you, and I, I just think this morning as we walk through this message, there's going to be many of you that the adversity you're facing, it's just going to rise to the surface. If it isn't already right up there in your throat, it's, it's going to be up there as we, we walk through this. And if there just be something you need to share uh, with us or you just want prayer for, please just use that card and on the back, just write us a little note and tell us and how we can be praying for you. Or if you do need to meet and talk, um, I'm happy to do that this week. We also, as you know, Alice Hilliard is on staff counseling every Wednesday and Thursday, and we'd love to connect with uh, her as well if you need that. So sound good? Well, this week uh, my wife had surgery, and so uh, I was out most of the week kind of caring for her and being, you know, the super dad at home doing all that so it involved like, you know, half a load of laundry and, um, and a mad scramble to clean the house when her parents were on their trip up here yesterday. Um, not quite. I stayed on top of it. The hardest part was, was the, the, uh, the love movies uh, over the week. I had my fill. Actually, um, the truth is I only watched one, <laughs> but it had a husband and a wife and a dog, and, and it, was, it was just about all I could handle. So, but she's doing well, and I appreciate all your, uh, all your encouragements this week uh, for her, and, and it's, it's good. So well, we're going to start this new series uh, on the teaching of the life of Joseph. And as we look at Joseph, Joseph is really one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And I've, in talking with you, some of you would say the same thing about Joseph. I just believe that Joseph experienced a lot of the same things that you and I experienced. Not so much the uh, thrown into a well and being uh, shipped off into slavery, uh, but hard things hard, hard circumstances that he dealt with. And so uh, uh, this morning we're going to start this series, and it's going to go four weeks as we look at this guy. Um, This is a guy that he lived a life of integrity. He really did, despite his adversities, despite what he went through. We find that when he was hated, he didn't retaliate. That That was Joseph. When he was tempted, he didn't give in, and when his life fell apart, he remained strong, is what the Bible tells us, and not just once, but multiple times. And when he was blessed, we don't find that he bragged about it either. And this is a guy that as we look at it, we can say, I, I identify with some things, and I want to learn how, how to deal with my things the way Joseph dealt with him. So you see, Joseph was raised in a very dysfunctional family, if you didn't know that. He had, uh, his dad had four wives, and Joseph had 11 brothers and one sister. That's quite a brood that he had in his house. His mother died when, he, when uh, giving birth to his younger brother. And if you're here and you think you live in kind of a tough home situation, imagine the uh, four moms and, and 13 total siblings in the house. That's craziness. That's, that's chaos. And that's what he grew up in. On top of that, Joseph was his dad's favorite. Kind of a nice deal for Joseph for a while at least, but uh, not so nice for the rest of the ones in his family. How do we know he's dad's, his dad's favorite? Well, we're going to take a look at this story this morning. Before we jump into it, uh, you've got some sermon notes as you came in to help you follow along this morning. So if you didn't get one of those and you need one, uh, Rich is back there. I'd be happy to... to uh, this is his favorite part of the service, when he gets to run around and give these to you. Um, 
Yeah, oh, look, from all four quadrants here of the room, Richard, this morning. So you got your work cut out for you. We're going to walk through this, and it would be very good for you during this series to actually bring along your own Bible and open your own Bible and track through it. The, the verses will be on the screen, uh, but something about your own Bible and opening it up and writing in there and equating some of the things of adversity with your own pen is, is a, a pretty important thing. So I would encourage you, if you don't have it today, um, you get a free pass today. Um, next week, you know, we're going to call you out and embarrass you. No, we wouldn't do that. But we encourage you to bring your own Bible, and that, that'd be great. So, all right, so how do we know he's his favorite? If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 37. We're going to follow along this pretty incredible story, all right? Starting in verse 3. It says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, Israel's Jacob, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ordinate robe for him. You know that technicolor dream coat that you've heard about in this place? That's what we're talking about here. That's what Joseph got. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So, so far you can somewhat uh, relate, right? I mean, there's a favorite, and you don't quite like the favorite, right? <laughs> Unless you're it, and then it's good times. So that's what's going on here. So he's his dad's favorite. He's a son of privilege. But he also, as we'll find, he experienced quite a bit of adversity and quite a bit of hard circumstances would come his way. Sooner or later, all of us are going to have to face some kind of adversity, right? Sooner or later, we're all going to face it. It may be something minor, like maybe your car breaking down or, or something like that, or something major, like the processing of a divorce or a death in the family. Those are major things. Maybe a house burns down to the ground. Today, up front, I want to tell you, as the message indicates today, I want to encourage you to stay faithful to God when adversity comes your way. To stay faithful when it comes. Here's Joseph, a young man, 17, 18 years old, and he experienced all kinds of hard problems, all kinds of difficulties, as we'll find. One day, it seems like everything's going well for him. And he's a young man. He's got great leadership abilities, probably a pretty good-looking guy. We, we can somewhat deduce from the scriptures well. And yet... Suddenly, his life falls apart. Suddenly, quickly. Can you relate to that? Your life changing, falling apart, being different in the blink of an eye? That's going to be Joseph. So how's this young man able to handle this? Let's look at chapter 37 again, beginning in verse 12, if you've got your scriptures. Now, the, now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. Now, the first thing you might want to ask is, why were the brothers out working and Joseph wasn't out working with the brothers? Well, he's the favorite. <laughs> favorite doesn't have to do the same thing as the other brothers here. So he didn't do the same work. So his father's sending him out to what might be a little bit of a hostile situation here with these brothers that were already described as hating him. And he's going to go out all alone to check on the ten brothers who hate him. And, of course, they hate him because he's the favorite. Now, he's also probably hated because he's wearing around that, uh, that coat all the way, that beautiful coat that he wears, and probably somewhat flaunts it around. We don't get that directly in the Scripture, but uh, they hate him for that as well. Verse 13, And Jacob said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing in the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he, applied, he replied. Now, that throws me just a little bit. I would have expected kind of a spoiled favorite here to not... To not be so obedient here to want to go out and to go see the brothers who hated him here. But we don't get that at all in the scripture. He could have said, it's too far to walk. I don't want to go see my brothers. They hate me. But we don't get that. Instead, he cooperates. He's reliable. He's obedient. He does what his father asks of him there. We want to be careful we don't read too much into the story about Joseph being a spoiled brat. What we do know is he was the favorite and he was given uh, given more than the other brothers. And because of that, 
They didn't like him at all. Verse 14. So he said to them, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then they sent him off to the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around the fields, asking him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they're grazing their flocks? Oh, they've moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dotham. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dotham. But they saw him... But they saw him in a distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. So, wait a minute here. We've got a change of scenery. He's got to go a little further away now uh, to Dotham, different place. And it says that they actually see him when he's coming a long way off. And how do they even recognize him? Well, you guys see he's got a really nice colored coat on. He's pretty easy to see. It would have been rare. And as they see it, here comes daddy's boy. Here comes favorite boy. And it just burns up with them, them all the way to the point that they are ready to do away with him. You know, they kind of hold the tribal council and he's been voted off the island and they're now going to get the plan together to put it in place. Verse 19, here comes that dreamer, they said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. You can see the emotion that's coming with this, looking over and seeing Joseph and they're just like gritting their teeth said, let's just do the ultimate. We'll just kill him. We'll be done with it all. And we'll cover it up too. They have a nice plan. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him in the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. The cistern, you know, would have been a place to store uh, water, a well to store water, but it would have been dry in this story. Reuben says this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So Reuben's the only one who has a plan B in place here. He says, don't kill him, just put him in there. And then while they're distracted or doing something else, he's going to come back and he's going to rescue Joseph. So we have a little bit of of mercy here uh, from Reuben. Verse 23, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ordinate robe he was wearing. Why, why do you think they did that as the first thing? Yeah, that was the symbol. I mean, that, that was it. As they go around and he's wearing this fancy coat that the father gave only him. And every time they see it, they don't even have to wait for Joseph to do anything. It's so clear he's their favorite just from the coat that he wears around. And so they strip him in it. They don't want any visual anymore. And they get rid of it right away. Verse 24. And when they took him and threw him in the cistern, the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat their meal. They, they looked up and saw a cavern of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh. And they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. What a coincidence here. And here's the brothers who are going to kill Joseph. And they, they decide not to. They decide to put him in a cistern instead. And now here comes this traveling group of merchants that come by. This isn't a coincidence. This is a, a God incident. So what's going on here. You see, God has a plan and a purpose for everything that happens in Joseph's life. And God has, it wants to take whatever happens and he's going to work it for Joseph's good. I want to tell you today that if you're going through some type of adversity, some type of hardship today, struggle, obstacle, hang in there. Because God has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. Maybe you got into the hardship because of some decision you made, some sin that you made. And God is never, never in sin. That's not where his will is. But yet he's this master of taking even our junk and making it great if we'll surrender it. So hang in there. Stay faithful to God. God's in the business of some of these things we call 
consequence or uh, coincidences those are really these god god incidences where god is up to something or can do something with it so what's god doing here maybe he's trying to uh, allow joseph to be broken being the favorite and growing up the favorite there's a, a a pretty good chance you're going to turn out a little boastful, a little arrogant, and, and uh, not be a, a super hard worker. Who knows? Maybe God is trying to break him here of his pride, that later when he becomes something significant, and we'll get to that as the story goes on, that Joseph is going to be ready for that challenge. His character is being molded. It's being shaped by God. Do you ever think about that when you're going through something really difficult, that you might be being shaped and molded? challenge for the purpose of something future in your life. Verse 26, Judah says to his brother, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hand on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. Isn't that nice of them? I mean, don't kill him. He is our brother. That's not nice. Let's go ahead and sell him into slavery instead and we'll collect the money. So the brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He was mourning. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't here. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat and dipped his blood or the robe in the blood. They took the ordinate robe back to the father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. Notice when they went back to him that they didn't overtly lie to their father. It was just kind of a deceptive story that they shared there. Don't we do that sometimes ourselves? We, we get into a little bit of deceptive, a little bit of sleight of hand in how we say things. Yeah, but it's a lie is what's going on here. He recognized it and said, It's my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. We find that he is so heartbroken that he's going to mourn until the day of his death. And you can imagine the loss of a child, and in this case, his favorite child. You know what catches me a little off guard about this? That never once, in all of the mourning that, that they're watching the father go through, never once did the brothers come and say, Dad, wait a minute. This isn't true. It's not right. He's not really dead. We actually sold him into slavery, and, and we're going to get together, and we're going to go get him, because we don't want you to go through what we're watching you go through. It's interesting. That doesn't happen at all. The boys just kind of waited out, just waited out, and it never happens there. Meanwhile, back with Joseph. What's going on with him? Verse 36. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph to Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Can you imagine this now? What's going on in Joseph's mind? I mean, one day, he's got this beautiful robe on. He's the father's favorite. He's going out to do just an errand that his dad asked him to do. Not even hard work, seemingly. And the next moment, he's just glad to be alive. And the next moment, he's bound and tied, and he's a slave. And he's wondering, what in the world just happened, and what's going to happen to me next? The mindset of Joseph. Isn't it amazing how quickly life can change? Have you ever encountered something where life changed? 
And it wasn't going to be the same after that, or at least it wasn't going to be the same for a long time. You get a phone call from your teacher saying that he or she thinks your child might have a learning disability, and that changes the way you parent from then on out. You discover a lump on your body, you find out it's cancerous. Treatment begins. Nothing's the same after that. You go into your boss's office on Monday morning, and he or she says, sorry, we don't need you any longer. And everything changes from that point. Or you find a a post on Facebook or an email or letter, and your spouse is carrying on some conversation seemingly romantic with somebody else. Everything changes. Everything changes. Life can change so amazingly quick. And here's Joseph, 17 years old or so, young, healthy, the favorite of his dad. And all of a sudden, he's tied up, and he's bound, and he is on his way to Egypt as a slave is what's going on here. Here's Joseph, raised in privilege, and now he's doing chores against his will. That's what's happening. Let me ask you, do you think you could remain faithful to God if you were taken as a slave or a captive and treated like somebody who had no rights? Could you remain faithful to God? And yet we find Joseph, this young man, was faithful. We'll find that as we look the next four weeks. You're going to see he's continually faithful to God. Now, he endures what he has to endure here. And I don't necessarily, we don't necessarily see that he endures it with great tidings and great joy. But he certainly endures it with faith and with obedience. God was with Joseph in the midst of his adversity. And this morning, I want to tell you, God will be with you as well in your adversity, whatever you're going through. Here's what the Bible says about it. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. Joseph could have complained. We do it often, right? He could have become angry and bitter against God, against people around him, but we don't get any indication of that. He didn't do that. Instead, he put his life in God's hand. He says, God, you take care of it. You take care of my adversity. You take care of this situation. Genesis chapter 39, verse 3 says this. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. You see the favor that God has on him for his faithfulness. J. Oswald Sanders once wrote this. When you walk with God, there are qualities that even people of the world can see. I'm going to repeat that. When we walk with God, that there's qualities that even people who don't know Jesus Christ and don't know God's way, they can see those. And they can recognize those as something different, something unique, and something special. Joseph had these. He's a young man faithful to God, even though he's like, what in the world am I doing in Egypt? He's faithful. He worked hard. He made the best of his situation. He was promoted in his master's house is what we find. Here's Joseph, this young man, and he finds some even reward for overcoming the adversity that's in front of him. So what about us this morning? What adversity are you going through? I want to share with you just some keys to overcoming some of those hard times in your life and and moving past those and creating a discipline within your life when when they come up, all right? So number one. Prosperity is temporary, so be thankful. It's temporary. We've got to be thankful 
when it's there. The Bible says in John 1.16, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Many of you can relate to what I'm saying in this point uh, this morning. You might say, as of today, my life is going pretty good. No serious adversity in my life. Your health is good. Your family's together. Your bills are all paid. Uh, is that you this morning? Could, could be you. You know, could be some of you. In fact, by a show of hands, let's see who... No, I'm just joking. Don't do that because you're the ones we'd probably want to beat up after service anyway. So, just joking, sort of. Be thankful for your present situation because your present situation can change very quickly. And there's something significant about the discipline of thankfulness that when we receive, we're thankful. And when we aren't facing adversity or when there isn't something serious going on in our life, that we're thankful. Because when adversity comes and we have to start looking for the things God is doing, we'll create that discipline of being thankful for every, in every way that God is working in our life. The Apostle Paul, he knew how quickly life could change. He says this in Philippians four twelve and 13. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Here it is. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. He turns it over to God, is what Paul is saying. So if your life's going pretty good today, pretty smooth, be thankful. You're going to need that discipline for when the day comes that things change. Secondly, adversity is inevitable, so be prepared. <laughs> Do you know that? It's inevitable. It's coming. Second Timothy chapter 3. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> just makes you want to leap out of the bed in the morning and go at the Christian faith. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ is going to be persecuted. He's saying, get ready, believers. Get ready. I even believe that in our day, there's going to be a time in our country, even very soon, where things are going to change and they're going to look very different for us as believers. And we better be preparing ourselves and be preparing our family for some adversity because it's in front of us. It's coming. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. I don't like that verse, Jesus. In this verse, you will have, or in this world, you'll have trouble, he says. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, when adversity comes, don't say, how in the world could this possibly happen to me? I mean, to me. To somebody else, okay, but how could this happen to me? Instead, look around at other people and learn from how they handled it. How did they handle it? How did they act when they're going through it? How did they maintain their faith in God in the midst of these hard times? You know, the Bible is full of people, full of examples, people that we can read about and we can learn from and how they remained faithful. It's what God's word is to us. It's this encouragement and this learning tool on how to live the Christian life. Joseph is one example, but there's many others in scripture that you can open up God's word and you can learn. Years ago, a study was published entitled Cradles of Eminence. And in this study, they took 413 exceptionally gifted people in some area of life, athletes, uh, you know, intelligence, all the way through. Remember that number, 413. The study was trying to determine what it was that caused 413 people to be great in these areas of their life. And they only found one common denominator for greatness. You want to know what it is? 392 of the 413 of those who experienced this greatness had to overcome some difficult obstacle or difficult adversity in their life in order to succeed. They had to learn from it. They had to learn from this. And then they were able to succeed. That's interesting. 
especially interesting because we live in a society today where we do almost anything to prevent our kids from experiencing tough times and difficult situations. Do almost anything. And yet we wonder sometimes how some of them grow up and they find it so hard to make it in life and figure out how to navigate a course in life. Adversity, struggles, obstacles can be very significant in preparing us. Problems and adversities, they can be obstacles. Excuse me, they can be opportunities and not just obstacles because they're inevitable. They're coming. We're going to deal with them. Some of you are dealing with them right now. Thirdly, effort is essential, so don't give up. It's essential. You often hear people say, when things get really tough... We always grow from it, right? You've heard that said. When adversity comes, we always grow. It's not true. It's not necessarily true at all. You know, I've seen people buckle under adversity. Just buckle, give up. Instead of getting better, they get bitter and they live years of bitterness and anger and frustration towards God and towards others. I've seen people that face adversities, they, they leave their spouses. This is too much. Can't work through this. It's not the same. You know, not what I signed up for. And they're out. Seen them shake their fists at God. Some become addicted to drugs or alcohol or some type of, of other dependency in their life. Some people even just leave the church because they can't cope with it at all. This type of adversity. Why would a Christian ever have to face adversity? And they walk away from the church, walk away from God. I want to say to you that when adversity comes, listen, you hang in there and you don't give up. Don't give up at all and don't quit. Galatians 6, 9 says this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we what? Do not give up, is what the scripture says. And I want to say to you that even if you don't understand the adversity you're facing today, you keep going to church. You keep reading your Bible. You keep praying and getting before God in the morning. You keep attending your small group and letting those people love on you. You keep trusting God with the first 10% of your finances. You keep praising him even if you don't feel like it. Don't give up. Don't give up on this. God has something great for you. Hebrews 10:36 says it this way. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. You need to know the promises of God comes to those who persevere who hold on. Everyone fails. Everyone faces adversity in life. We all face it. Some of you right here today as you're sitting, it's a universal truth. It's bound to happen to us sooner or later. But the key then, what's the key then? It's how we respond to it. It's how we respond to the adversity. We can go through life with this sense of entitlement. And if we do, we're frustrated every time we're let down. Or we can go through it with this sense of empowerment. We are empowered through Jesus Christ. Through the Holy Spirit, what God has to offer, we are empowered in life. Do you go through life and say, everyone owes you something? Or do you interpret it that way? Or do you go through life saying, God, with God, I can do anything. I can accomplish with God. Over 45 years ago, the first Edsel rolled off the assembly line. It was billed as Ford's car of the future. But it was discontinued after two years, and they lost $250 million in it. Coca-Cola replaced the popular 99-year-old formula with New Coke in 1985. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that too. The New Coke formula stayed on the market, forget this, 77 days, and they lost $35 million. You talk about adversity. Do you realize that over 80% of new product launches fail? Eight out of ten of the things that people dream up and they spend vast dollars marketing, they fail. 
80% of them. Ivory soap wasn't made to float, but a little manufacturing error actually became its top selling point, its top marketing tool. Kleenex failed as a cold cream remover, but they repackaged as a disposable handkerchief. And their success is nothing to sneeze about. There's no booing in church. Sorry. Look, failing does not make you a failure. Facing adversity does not make you a failure. Struggling through something does not make you a failure. You become a failure when you refuse to get up. Or when you choose, I'm done, I'm out, I give up. That's, that's when we face failure. Losing a battle is not like losing the war. If you fail to score in the first half of a football game, guess what? You can come back and still win the game. And God is saying, I'm with you. In the end, you will win. You'll win. So hang in there. Don't give up is what he's saying to us there. When we're struggling in our marriage, many of you might be today. Just because you're struggling does not mean your marriage won't get better. It does not mean that God can't heal your marriage. That's going to take two people working extremely hard, not giving up, and not being selfish. But God can heal that marriage. So keep working on it, and don't give up on it. Why? Because setbacks can, can become setups if you let God handle them. That's right. Setbacks, they can become setups if you let God handle them. What? Setups for what? Setups for God to do a work in you. God might be setting you up in your adversity for one of your greatest comebacks from one of your strongest moments, for one of your greatest life lessons that you can learn. I shared with you uh, a while back that while we were in Chicago for three years, we faced all kinds of adversity. And I didn't sign up for it when we moved there. So well, it wasn't on the job description, but we faced it for three years. And I look back on those three years, and there's not a chance I would change any of it. Now, I don't want to go back and live it again, but there's not a chance I would change it because the person I am today is different than the person I was when I moved into Chicago. Because God did a work through adversity in my life, in my family's life. And we chose not to give up on what God was doing. And we face the character changing that, that he had for us. And we're better for it. Number four, God is faithful, so you be faithful. God's faithful. There'll come a time with you when you're in the middle of adversity that you'll say, God, where are you? I mean, I'm praying, God, I'm doing the work here, but it just seems like things are bouncing off the ceiling right back down to my feet. There's going to be times in the middle of adversity when God seems more silent. And during those times, life may seem unfair. You might even think, look, I'm living out the Christian life here, but I feel like I'm getting the short end of the stick of this, God. But God promises, it's in his word over and over and over again. God promises that he will be with you every step of the way. It's a promise that if he doesn't keep it, you might as well just chuck your Bible out because it's not worth anything. But he continually promises, and I could line people up this morning who could share testimony after testimony of how God was faithful and how God came through. Isaiah 43, 2 says this, When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through fire, you will not get burned. God doesn't say that there's never going to be the waters, the flood here. But he says, look, when you, when you get in them, you're not going to drown. I got your hand. I've, I've got it taken care of. He doesn't promise that we're not going to face fires in life. But when they come, he says, look, you're not going to get burned here. I'm going to walk you through it. You're going to make it through it. Through every adversity, we have to be, learn how to be faithful. 
and how to trust God in the midst of that. Believing that you can, through God, you can overcome and God will work it out for your good. The Apostle Paul said it this way, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, while himself, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. You see, when adversity comes, and it's going to come, you really you have two choices. One, you can shake your fist at God, and you can say, you know, you know, why have you done this to me, God? Why are you doing this? Why are you forgetting me? Or you can lift your hands up to God, and you can say faithfully, God, I don't know what you're doing. God, I, I, I don't even know clearly where you're at in the midst of this. But you've been faithful to me in the past. You've made promises through your word. I'm going to remain faithful to you as well. And here's the good news, is that God promises to help us. Remember, there's really, there's no victory without battle. Did you know that? There's no solution uh, without a problem. Do you know that as well? There's no crown without a cross. With God's help, even Joseph, we found, and we'll find in the next three weeks, he continually overcomes adversity, and God wants to do it in us as well. So what's the take this morning? What adversity are you facing that you might need to hand over to God this morning? What's the struggle, the obstacle that you might be dealing with? You say, obstacle? Um, there's quite a few. Whatever it is this morning, is there one that if you're not careful, you're shaking your fist at God, and you're just saying, why, God? Why, why are you doing such a thing? Today, look, I believe, as we close off here, that this is a great opportunity for you to just release it and let it go. Release it over to God and say, God, here, your turn to handle it. You take it and deal with it. It still will be hard, but he'll walk us through it. it Maybe time for you this morning just to lift up your hands and say, God, would you take this obstacle? Would you turn it into an opportunity in my life this morning? I want to pray for you this morning and specifically for those who may be really dealing with something heavy and something that just you need extra prayer for. And I want to just offer a time of prayer over to you. Right where you're at, you can do your own business with God, and you can, you can bow, you can pray, you can say whatever words you want to say. He'll hear us all, and he can sort it out. But it might be a good opportunity to reclaim your faithfulness to him by doing some business. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this story of Joseph and what you did in his life. And Father, I recognize for myself that there's times when I've walked through adversity where I just, I didn't like it, Lord. I didn't like it at all. I was looking for the exit anywhere I could. But Lord, you create in me a different person because of it. And this morning, Lord, I know that there's some in here that are facing significant adversity. Lord, just because of my dealings with, with people in the congregation, I know there's people right now who have no idea how they're going to pay their bills at the end of the month. Or there's the person that's just so sick and tired of filling out applications, they just seem to go into the abyss of nowhere. There's some that, that just to go home and to muster up small conversation with their spouse takes incredible effort. Well, there's some that, that just can't stand their job, but there's no way out. They need the paycheck. And the list just goes on and on and on, Lord. There's physical ailments here people that are hurt with every step. And Father, I know your word does not promise us that you will take away every ounce of struggle and adversity in our life. Your word promises that you will walk through it and that we can accomplish and we can make it through with you. 
if you're this morning, you've been walking your own plan with adversity, or you've even, when you've faced the hard times, you've decided it's time to turn from God and go a different direction. This morning, I want you to reclaim your faithfulness. I trust you, God. I put it into your hands. I know I may still have to endure it, but God, I'm going to walk with you in your strength. I'm going to be a new person for it. I believe at the end of Joseph's life, he was a different man than he was that young boy walking around in a coat because of his faithfulness to God through adversity. Lord, hear every prayer that's going up now. Would you answer it? We pray it's all in your son's name.